0: So I think if you're considering going down the YouTube route, I still believe it's the consistency that matters. It's the consistency that helps that growth. Um, and it is hard work. So unless you have that consistency, that passion, you're ready to put content out on a daily basis or daily or even a weekly basis, I'm not convinced it's the platform for you need to go down. The content that we produce for Instagram, for Instagram
1: Reels, we share the same content, the horizontal version. So all content that we shoot has two elements. It has a vertical element and a horizontal. And the horizontal one goes on YouTube. And we also repurpose
0: that on YouTube Shorts as well. Welcome to Digital Dialogues, the podcast you want to be listening to, to have the world of digital marketing demystified. My name is Rima Alhuni. I'm a video content specialist and I'm joined by my co host Namita Armani, your
1: digital marketing expert, and today's topic is all about YouTube, YouTube marketing.
0: Yes. Now, I find this really interesting because, believe it or not, YouTube has only been around since 2005. But then in 2006, it got bought over by Google for 1.6 billion, 1.65 billion. So clearly, they created a lot of value in that one year for them to reach that valuation. But what I find really interesting is that they actually launched around the same time as Vimeo. Um, For those who aren't familiar with Vimeo, that's another video sharing platform. I still use it, do you? We use it as well. So it hasn't quite created that kind of social platform essence that some of the others have. Um, And when I found out what the real difference was, apparently YouTube doubling down on sharing is what created that, that growth. So small thing, but I'm sure everyone remembers those videos where everyone's going, share this video, share. And that's that's what helped it grow. Subscribe and share.
1: There's another element of YouTube. When your video finishes, automatically it recommends other videos. So it keeps you on the platform continuously. Yeah. Showing you relevant content. Having said that, YouTube, Vimeo is still preferred by us, and especially on landing pages and stuff where we don't want, where the videos have to be private. We have control on the way it loops. Because YouTube does have certain
0: li- limitations when you use it on a web and you use it on your website and landing page. I think the key difference is that when I think of YouTube, I think of a social platform that you want to grow. When I think of Vimeo, I think of a library that I can like share with my clients and that I can manage. It's kind of more like database than anything else. And for paid customers or something. Mm. Yeah, Some kind of clientele. Absolutely. But I have a bit of a history with YouTube because I really got overexcited by the possibilities. I was always traveling to the U- U.S. and hearing how other markets were leveraging YouTube content, and I was listening. I remember 2011, 2012, 2013. I kept going to the NAB show in the U.S. and and hearing, you know, how, you know, it was being monetized and how you should be niche and like building a following. And in 2014, I finally decided I was going to give it a go. So 2014, uh, we launched a buy on demand. And uh, for those of you who don't know, because it's evolved a lot since then, but when we started. The objective was to create a whole group of niche channels, you know, niche channels. So the idea was that if you're searching online and you're, you wanted to find out everything there was to know about CrossFit, we had a CrossFit channel. Or if you wanted to know everything that was to know about parenting, we had a parenting channel. What kind of content do you have on that? So our goal was just to create a lot of like bite-sized content, fun, engaging. You know, I was working with a lot of TV presenters of My History is TV. And basically, you know, showing them that the market has shifted online. So this, it was now a space where you could create your own content. You could be a content creator and grow your own show, get your own sponsors, as opposed to being tied to the TV world. That was the, the same kind of content which you would otherwise shoot for TV, now moving it to YouTube. Yeah. we were trying to be a bit funkier. We we're trying to be a bit shorter, a bit more bite-sized. It was a lot of work. But you know what was really interesting? is we promoted it, we had this whole PR strategy, and we did have a lot of brands interested. So we'd get all these phone calls of brands who called us in to meet them, and we'd get to the meeting, and we'd start talking about this content, and they'd be really excited, and then they'd say, where is it being broadcast? And I would say, YouTube. And they'd say, no, no, what channel? And I'd say, YouTube. And they're like, oh, no, no, we thought you were gonna be on TV. And I'm like, no, 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 this is better. And they'd be like, but we want to be on a TV show. I said, I understand. But on a YouTube show, you can track everything. On a YouTube show, we can actually tell you who's watching, for how long. You can target your audience. So many opportunities that you just don't have on TV. And meeting after meeting, we were being turned down. We were basically having this flurry of interest. And the one point was because it wasn't a broadcaster, they, they weren't ready to commit. And I just found that fascinating because although it launched in 2005, although around the world it had this huge, huge popularity, I'd been listening, I'd been going to conferences in the US and hearing how big it was. 2014 in the UAE, no one was listening to me. So it was very hard. It was very hard. And in fact, it taught me how to start getting our content monetized in other ways. So because, you know, we were on this journey, we're like, we're going to create content. Um, and how to like really use, I guess, a lot of the tools I learned from TV, you know, customizing content for different brands, integrating brands into storylines, you know, just just so that we can keep it funded. Um, and around 2016, I realized that it's not happening. It was an up. It was an uphill kind of struggle. I was like, I need to pause this. Um, and it it was only 2018 that it felt that this market was ready to think about YouTube. So that's four years after we started. I really believe we
1: are about five to seven years behind the West. They've come here a little late, but having said that
0: after COVID, things have suddenly accelerated and thank God for that. Totally, and I do think you're right that COVID, you know, everyone's at home. Everyone is now creating more content. They're trying to see how they can leverage it. How can they put it out there? But what I do wanna demystify is you often hear about all these people who've like shot to fame, you know, and earned their millions. You know, through regular content creation, and actually, you know, you need around a hundred thousand subscribers to even to generate any money on YouTube. Yeah, and even then, the people typically, the typical out on average, if someone has a hundred thousand subscribers, they're earning anywhere from about six hundred dollars to maybe around two thousand dollars per week, which is great from your content. It's great, but it's not the millions, you know, that That's you tend work. to hear Close about. The millions. Yeah, absolutely. So I think if you're considering going down the YouTube route, I still believe it's the consistency that matters. It's the consistency that helps, that grows. Um, and it is hard work. So unless you have that consistency, that passion, you're ready to put content out on a daily ba- or daily, or even a weekly basis, I'm not convinced it's the platform for you to go down. Very interesting you say that. We leverage YouTube a lot for our
1: clients. So um, especially our aesthetic uh, vertical that we have, The content that we produce for Instagram, for Instagram Reels, we share the same content, the horizontal version. So all content that we shoot has two elements. It has a vertical element and a horizontal. And the horizontal one goes on YouTube. And we also repurpose that on YouTube Shorts as well. So we use our content. Whatever content we create, we share it across the board for B2B. But are you getting results through your YouTube? So YouTube helps us a lot in SEO um, with the title tag and descriptions and meta tags. For related topics, if people are searching for that particular product or service or a machine that is being used in that video, the video comes up first in the search results because they get preference. And that's how we get quality traffic diverted to the video uh, to the YouTube profile. From there, then people are then redirected automatically to the website. So it creates brand awareness, brand recall. People have seen the video, then they go on Google and search the name of the company or the name of the business. And that's how they land on the website. So we have a huge direct traffic. Which kind of forms an SEO traffic uh, when it comes to digital marketing and traffic?
0: I would I see that perspective because obviously it's the second largest search engine globally. You know, I think we touched on it earlier, one billion video views a day. But also it's the only social platform that is a pull instead of a push. So what I mean by that is people have, reach there because look, of an intent. Not just that, the, the intent. They have to go in and ask a question, right, versus everything else which you're kind of you know, passively, you're passively taking this content in YouTube, you type in what you're looking for. um, And the most the most searched items are how to and how do I. So it's definitely if you're in the educational space, or you're answering questions. Yes, I can see the value in that. But in terms of the consistency, I still think is important to build a follower base to get to that 100,000. I don't think you can do by doing like the odd video here and there. Absolutely, in fact, um,
1: there's another element that helps uh, YouTube helps us a lot is running campaigns on Google. So if you want to run YouTube or video campaign on Google or target video viewers, or there's a particular campaign called Pmax, which is the latest campaign, I'm going a little technical but to be able to run campaigns on campaigns on P, or PMax style you need a video uh, which is uh, hosted on YouTube what is a PMax style So google's PMax campaigns are basically it's an advanced version of uh, running campaigns on Google which combines all the other platforms uh, all the other types of campaigns so search display discovery all of that merged becomes a PMax campaign okay. it automatically runs it's very advanced it reads uh, the landing pages itself and creates videos on the hook And if you give it a right YouTube link, like a video on YouTube, it uses that to run ads on YouTube then. Okay. So it's very important for us in digital marketing to have a YouTube channel and to consistently
0: post or host videos there. Okay. It's a little bit too technical for me, Um, but I do believe that you do need to put in a bit of an ad spend to get that visibility. So I know even if it's a tiny amount, that when we started to on demand, I really wanted to make sure that we got the visibility and that traction. And I could see the difference, you know, and I say that obviously there's going to be a difference when you put money behind, but it was a significant difference, you know, between the ones that we had and we hadn't, disproportionately so, you know, which goes to show it's how you build that original traction, that initial traction in the first 24 hours. And then hopefully that content starts to build a life of its own. Um, but it makes it makes a really big difference, with especially if you want to monetize um, or build an audience. Um, I worked on a a YouTube fashion series a couple of years ago, and that I found really interesting because it was high, you know, high production value, but they did have a good budget on the digital side. And I think a lot of brands out there, that's really all they're looking at. They're trying to see your subscribers. They want to see the views on that particular video. Not many of them even ask about the watch time. Um, you know, it's just looking at those key metrics and then they're ready to have a conversation about, you know, brand partnerships. And I feel that may be an easier route to monetization than, you know, just having that regular consistent flow. It can take some time. So what do you think is a good strategy for YouTube content creation then? So I still think with my TV hat on because I still think that the way YouTube operates is very much on an appointment viewing perspective. So if you're trying to build a following And you have, you know, it could be a weekly episode, it could be a daily episode, but it's figuring out what that consistency is and dropping an episode when you say you're going to. So if it's a Wednesday at 12, make sure your episode drops every Wednesday at 12. Um, And that way you're actually building um, a, a routine for your viewers. They know that they can expect something new from you on that day. But I also think it's about all the content you do around that to ensure that people stay viewing it. So it could be anything from if we take a typical week and we obviously are doing this ourselves, but you know, on a Monday, you start teasing that content on a Wednesday, you drop the content on a Friday, maybe you're doing a bit of a recap about that content and you just keep promoting it. So you create this kind of circular system with your viewers. And I think also since the introduction of shorts, you know, shorts, very short 60 second clips that can enable you to take different segments of those videos and just really actively promote them to help grow that reach and grow that viewership. So I definitely think in terms of a strategy, you need to start thinking about your schedule, you need to start thinking about how to create smaller, you know, content from that big piece, and how to actively promote both on YouTube and outside YouTube and drive traffic to that content.
1: And to use the YouTube in your email marketing and other pieces of content.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's also things that people don't realize. It's things like, the thumbnails that you use, you know, so believe it or not, people are more likely to click on a video if it has your face on it, right? So, and I know so many people who shy away from putting their face on a thumbnail and I'm like, well, there are people who just aren't going to click now, you know, so it's, it's worth it just for that, the clickability, it's choosing the right titles, descriptions. Yeah. I recently came across some AI tools that allow you to search you know, and actually find what are people searching for on YouTube right now and generate a whole list of possible titles, you know, that use those search results. So, you know, you also want to tap into a trend. You want to make sure that whatever content you're putting out there is as relevant as possible, is as timely as possible, so that when people are searching, you pop up. In fact, ChatGPT can help you create the timestamps of the video as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that does make a difference because on YouTube you can actually segment chapters as well. So you want people to go to like the key moments in that that discussion, especially if it's a longer video. So having timestamps make a difference. Having chapters makes a significant difference. I would say even consider languages because I recently discovered that I think it's over 70% of content on YouTube is not in English. You know? That's so, a huge number. That's huge. You know, which goes to show that if you're only creating content in English, there's a whole market out there that doesn't know anything about you. So why not explore other language versions or at least translation or subtitle or anything of that sort? I, I did a research, Reem uh, wherein it showed that the most popular video format on YouTube is cooking videos. I totally believe that. And travel. I totally believe that because I think with cooking, Again, it goes down to education, right? It's the how-to. People want to learn, and it's probably the easiest thing that they do is put a YouTube, and I say probably, I don't cook, you know, like put it out there, and then you're able to, like, follow step by step. And I think with travel, again, it's experiential, right? You want to see things and learn things that you're not familiar with, or before you go to a destination, you want to find out about it and and see that content. Um, But I think it's interesting because a lot of this content doesn't have to be, like, highly polished. It doesn't have to be professionally produced content. Some of the most popular YouTubers out there are filming it on their phone, you know, are very raw, very raw, very casual. And they're getting more creative with it because we now have more and more tools that allow you to create effects, create animation, create graphics that is kind of sufficient really. Um, And I think that's the key with YouTube is that it's not always about the professional side of things. It's about the usefulness of it, which is why cooking is useful. Travel is useful. It's like, what else can you put out there that is useful? So can you suggest if a
1: business wants to launch themselves on YouTube or have a YouTube channel, what are the steps they need
0: to take? So I genuinely believe, you know, if you're going to create content, it's kind of similar to what you would do for your personal brand, which is like, what does your brand want to be known for, right? What do you want to be known for? And it honestly... Um, It shouldn't be a showcase of like... Your services. Your services. You know, it's not, you're not going to grow as a channel. There, go stay, stick on Vimeo. Because Vimeo is great to showcase your products, your services, everything else you want to do, right? But when it comes to, you know, your growth, again, it comes back to what do you want to be known for? What does your brand want to be known for? And then creating educational content around that. So, for example... You know, um, we work with a few brands that really have sustainability at their core. You know, they are not, that's not their service. That's not their business, but they follow a lot of sustainable practices. So their channel is kind of evolving into the go-to channel for sustainability. You know, where they're sharing kind of the ways they do things or the difference between one material and the next you know, or why you should really start thinking about sustainability when you're, you're running a business. So the kind of content they're creating is interesting, is educational. So as a result, they're growing a viewership, right? They're not sitting there telling you what their products and services are. And I think that is a big misconception because when brands utilize it to sell, I think, you know, it, they're missing a trick. It's no longer about growing a community. It's now, that's what an ad can do for you. Right. So it's, it's having that combination and understanding that YouTube is a platform to grow a community by providing useful content, which, yes, if you've done a good job with it, you'll build a followership that you can then target with the ads and the upsells and the services and everything else that you want to offer.
1: I, want, I would like us to bring to light what we are doing is creating education content around what we do, but we never sell our businesses. We share about how people can get or learn
0: from us and implement these strategies in their businesses. Cause some, education
1: is a winner across the board.
0: Someone out there is going to type in, is it worth me starting a YouTube channel? Or how do I start YouTube? Or what's the latest on YouTube? And our video will pop up, right? And yeah, may not be everyone's cup of tea. And there's a lot out there already. But I am a big believer that everyone is sharing content from their own perspective and their experience and to their audience. So I often get asked the question, you know, is it worth me starting? Right? I, I get asked that all the time because I Surely there's already loads of content out there about the subject matter. Yes, there is. There's always room for more. There's room for more, but also has it been said from your perspective? Has it been said in your geography? Has it been said in your style? You also have your own audience who will be ready to listen to you. So I think that all these reasons in your head why you don't start, you know, probably should be reasons why you do, you know, because you should. Because, you know, even with this project now, Loads of podcasts out there, loads of people talking about business and marketing. But you know what? They're not doing it from the UAE the way we are with our audience, with our set of experience. So you will always bring something new to the conversation. And I think there are people who
1: want that. Absolutely. The world is, it's not the whole world. It's the people who resonate with you and you will automatically attract them by the way you bring your content together.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we've touched on it already, but I would say it's how you market it, how you position it. Um, everything from the titles, the descriptions, you know, the, the thumbnail, it's all part of a package that makes you unique, makes you who you are, and that's going to appeal to a certain audience. But I would say that if you are looking at monetizing, you know, then that's when you need to start thinking a bit more strategically and start thinking about what's going to appeal to a brand. And often it's growth. Often it's making sure you have that those viewers, those subscribers, um, and that's where I do think you need to put push the ad side of things to get to those numbers. So it looks like YouTube is a winner. And um,
1: this in this entire podcast, all the different episodes, we are talking about creating content continuously.
0: But, you know, I don't want to contradict what I said earlier. Because, yes, it is a winner if you have the time, energy to keep doing it consistently. And I think that's probably one of the reasons that I haven't jumped into it fully. Because I know that it does need time, energy, and passion. You need to really be passionate about the content you're putting out there to keep keep that consistency out. So, I definitely a way to go if you're able to tick those boxes, put in the hard work, and be consistent. That's having a
1: dedicated channel and producing content on a particular level. But if you're just a small business, you're producing content anyway for your social media. Don't hesitate to post, to share, or to reshare it on YouTube and use it in your marketing purposes. Would you agree? I'm going to try that. On that note, I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we did. Don't forget to share this episode with someone you feel will benefit. And don't forget to subscribe and like our video. Until the next Digital Dialogue.